this is my, my challenges to people of, I say this to my own team, look, if you were getting on a plane tomorrow and you're gonna go to Detroit and you're gonna meet this customer in their boardroom, how would you dress? Now, does that change at all how you then are presenting yourself on that Zoom call or through that video message? Does it? Does it make you think about it at all? And they go, yeah, it does. I'm like, okay, you know, then maybe it's not the pajamas. You know, maybe put on a put on a collared shirt. I don't know. Both of us have t-shirts on. It's a safe environment. But if I was meeting with the CEO of one of our big customers, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a t-shirt on. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Darren Dawson. Darren's the president and co-founder of BombBomb. And we all know there's been so much talk and, and action, really, about video and sales over the past year. Most of it connected to using services like Zoom or Teams for sales calls with buyers. And that's all well and good, very important, but most of the communications you have with your buyers are asynchronous. You know, they're not interactive calls, they're messages in one form or another. And today, Darren and I talk about harnessing the power of video messaging to effectively move deals forward. If nothing else, over the past year, sellers and buyers have become much more comfortable with video, or at least they should have, and being on camera, and it just makes sense for sellers to extend the use of video into all of their communications with buyers. So Darren and I dig into the steps you can take to level up your video messaging. You'll make sure you check these out. Before we get to Darren, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Darren, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be back with you, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, great to see you again. So um, I know there's probably not many folks who aren't familiar with BombBomb, but just in case, tell us a little <laughs> sure bit about plenty. Bomb Bomb. I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah, so we're a, a platform that we enable human-centered communication. We want you to be face-to-face -face more often with more people, and the way we do that is through video. So we make it very simple for you to create video, send video through any medium you might use, whether it be email, uh, uh, text, uh, messenger, LinkedIn, social media, things like that. Um, and you might think, well, don't those platforms already do that? Yes, but... Um, we enable you to know what's going on on the other side of that communication. So we focus most of our time on the recipient experience and mm -hmm. how your recipient engages with this type of interaction. Um, did right. they watch it? You know, did they like it? Can we get more engagement from them? Can they comment on it? So, um, you know, instead of just this one way kind of sending something and, and waiting and wondering, maybe at some points, if depending where you're at in, in your career, Right. Uh, did they receive it? Did they did they care? We help you to understand that more. Yeah, and it, I mean, this is it's sort of interesting this idea of yeah, and everyone wants to call it asynchronous video usage these sure. days. Uh, yeah. I like to call it just video messaging, just to, to keep it simple. But I think that interestingly, sort of in the wake of what's happened in 2020, and uh, people sort of being fatigued by Zoom, <laughs> that, yeah. but also learning lessons of the effectiveness of videos, they're saying, yeah, I, I want to interact with, with my buyer. I want to use video, but it doesn't need to be live. Right. I want them to see me. I think, right. I, I even think that in a lot of ways, <clears throat> even before the pandemic, we, we handcuff the best 
talents maybe of our salespeople, of our customer success people, of, of maybe ourselves when we just send an email and it's black text and a white screen. And when we know that humans emote, um, they, they have animation, right? I talk with my hands. You can see that if you're watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way we communicate often is more nonverbal than it is verbal or, or definitely written. We lose even more. And so bringing that back and when, when it was removed from us, the absolute ability to be face-to-face at all, people found this as a way to, to kind of circumvent the problem. But now I think they're finding it now more it's becoming more of the norm it's becoming more of a way to even sometimes flatten the sales process we see if i sent a video maybe i do a screen capture for instance something we allow Mm -hmm. you to do a screen capture proposal review i'm the account executive Mm -hmm. i want you andy to understand you know the things that i want to make sure you see in this i might highlight them right now that can be shared. You can now share that. What used to maybe be a, yet another meeting with more people to get buy-in, you can just share that with these other people. So it's actually, it can condense that time to close. It can condense that need for more meetings, more time. So we're seeing that flatten a bit in that process and maybe skipping some of these typical checkpoints in that process along the way. So that's been interesting to see that too. Right. What would be normally Zoom calls? Yeah. Or in-person meetings. Well, previously in-person meetings. Previously, we'll just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and maybe again, but... <laughs> right. Uh, Ho- hopefully. Well, let's just take the things that would be Zoom calls even normally now, right? I mean, Zoom existed before the pandemic, in case anybody That's wasn't right. aware of that. And, I was a, I've been a user for years before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I've been using extensively, whether it's that or Skype or, or so on. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, it was, was still in danger of being overused even then. And right. yeah, yeah, not everything requires real time interaction to your point, right? Is because that is and, the the most valuable thing is our time, right? And so, right. right, being able to deliver a message that you could watch on your time and then decide, and I can deliver it on my time, create it and send it on my time, right? There's this time trade off there that works. Well, but I also think that that it speaks to what you talk about too, as terms of sharing, right? So if yeah. you can track how it's being shared and opened by other people throughout an organization, you know that sales intelligence is really important information to have. And, Absolutely. And you sort of have a, at least for me, as I was thinking, okay, well, gosh, I, yeah, I can call another Zoom meeting. I get five or six people on the call, and you know, three quarters of them won't say a thing. The right. dominant yeah. personality will monopolize the conversation. These other people that are important, you know, did they really, what did they think? Yeah. And oftentimes, yeah, we could create, to your point, yeah, maybe as a point we missed in a demo. I wanted to emphasize something that I did in a demo, you know, record screen capture, point this out, make a couple salient points, ask for questions, send it out, get yeah, shared. The, the recap, a recap of the demo is definitely a use case that has accelerated because of the, the pandemic, right? So this idea that I've done the demo, I'm going to do a recap of the demo, really right. go to the points that you'd ask me questions on, illustrate those points with my, you know, my face and then with the screen capture right. and, and then have that get, then that get shared and you can then see the sharing of that. And then, you know, are, are you, are you penetrating to that buyer circle? Are you getting more visibility right. within the organization? I think those are things you wonder about and you hope that are happening. You might ask your champion if that's happening, but you don't know for sure. And so I think that's interesting. We can start to see some of those things. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, it's sort of a no-brainer. But I understand, <laughs> you know, why people. Well, maybe I don't understand, but I understand. <laughs> I understand one level why people aren't doing it, or that that people aren't doing it. But I think this is a tool. As we talk about, okay, we've all adopted to uh, Zoom-based selling over the last year. If you weren't using it before, you're using it now. And if you were using it before, you're using it more intensively. But it's not the best vehicle for communications in all cases. Where you know, video is strong and compelling, but Zoom is not always the answer. And I. Yeah. I've really been surprising people recently. I've been trying to say, just sort of arbitrarily, let's see if I can do 50% of my calls on the phone. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't know, you experiencing this? I got people say, we're doing a phone call? <laughs> I'll say they say, yeah, well, there wasn't a link in the invite. Where are we, how are we going to talk? I said, well, I thought we'd just do a phone call. A phone call? <laughs> a it's novel. Like, how novel. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, we, yeah, let's, let's last time we chatted, last time we chatted was on the phone. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's okay. I um, you know, I am I, I like to think of myself though, Andy. I'm like the apostle of I think humans are better face to face. So I yes. where I do agree, um, you know, I had a phone call the other day. It's not as novel for me. I think that picking up the phone's just fine. But yeah, in a new relationship, I would just argue that if I had a relationship, that's fine. In a new relationship, I like to get to know people still. I think that this pandemic has limited again our, our our abilities to maybe our best selves. I'm definitely I like being around people and I miss it. And so even oh, this absolutely. is better, right? Than I just miss seeing and being. I was on a plane over a hundred thousand miles a year and uh, I enjoyed it. I like going to conferences, meeting people, engaging in dinner and all that. That's all boom gone. So this is all we get anymore. So I do lament <laughs> that a bit, you know, personally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a sales guy at heart. I'm a, I'm a sales guy at heart. I love people. I like helping people win. I like leading that way. I miss my team. So this is the best oh, we got. Absolutely. But Zoom fatigue is is real. And so it's just it, it's not the same. And so I, I can get why sometimes just taking a phone call, I can look out my window and you're not offended. <laughs> right? Like I can stare <laughs> off into the distance or I can pet my dog or something. Well, but I also think that there's – and there again, there's been some preliminary research on this. I mean, it even came out almost pre-pandemic. Uh, I remember reading this is because yeah, enough people are already on Zoom extensively enough that yeah. this idea of Zoom fatigue existed. Yeah. And you know, preliminary research is saying, look, you actually listen better on a phone. You actually listen mm. can capture the nuance more on a phone. And I think that that the same sort of true with with you know video messaging, asynchronous video communication, is people are going to hear you better. Yeah, you know, when you're I sending agree. something, it's, it's because there are no distractions in the same respect that you and get you can, when you're you can on choose a, a to view it when you have time to view it, I think is, is the thing. When you have time I'm to not focus mul- on it. Right. I'm not multitasking. And let's face it, we're all multitasking now. While we're on these Zoom calls, we're... Uh, Except this one, because I know you're completely focused on me. I am. Well, I'm not. I can't. This is different. This is a conversation, I think. One-on-one is cool. But, you know, when I'm one of 12 faces, am I, am I really, really as engaged yeah. as, I, as I am now? Probably not. Yeah. Can we talk about something you, you brought up was sure, uh, why, people, why people don't do it? Because I have ideas yeah. about why people don't do it. I think. Oh, let's, let's get into it. It's like this perfection thing. I think we've been, you know, 
we've been watching the 10 p.m. news or the 11 p.m. news for uh, you know, 20, 30 years as adults, and we think maybe, or we grew up in this, and we we saw this, and we thought we got to be this way. It's got to be perfect. It's got to right. be lit a certain way. Um, it's got to be you know, perfection is a problem, and so I think it stops people from sending the video, and they they worry that's not professional. Do you think that? I think that's part of it. I think that's perhaps a little less so because we've spent the last year looking at people's cats and dogs and people in their pajamas with their bed behind them and so on. But I think the other aspect of it is that when people are looking at recording a video is it seems more performance oriented than being in a conversation. And maybe I don't have, I don't think I have those skills. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like I'm I'm on stage, right? And yeah, yeah. but it bleeds into the perfection aspect of it for yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, I like but that. It, like I have to put this this mask on, whereas opposed to if I'm just in a conversation with somebody, yeah, in sales I may have my sales mask, quote unquote, mask on, sure. but it's not the same. Sure. Right? I feel more comfortable, and I think I think that when I talk to people, still there more than than perhaps the perfection thing. I think they're getting over. We work on this a lot, just being yourself on the call and um, trying to work with people this way, because this is the obstacle to it. They, you roll this out, you know, your VP of sales thinks it's a great idea. And so everybody gets it. And then we have, you know, some people adopt fast and some, this is kind of like with any software and some people though, the hang up is around this. Well, I don't like how I look on camera. I don't like how I sound on camera. Um, and so we, we spend a lot of time working through this with folks, you know, it's okay to send some to the folks that, you know, but have they gotten over it? Uh, some do and some don't, some yeah, don't yeah. and some do. Right. I think, I think overall confidence is an issue we work on in our teams. Um, people need to build confidence in their career. I think kind of depends, you know, I, I you're, you're probably fine talking to anybody at this point, Andy, it's, you've done this so much. It doesn't, <laughs> right. You're not, but if maybe for newer because we get a lot of you know teams that are in this BDR role, and frankly, they're right. usually younger in their career, and so it's newer, oh. and they're how they're perceived is a big deal. Um, so we work on a lot of that. I think what you mentioned too about people in their pajamas. I'm like, I just gotta get on my soapbox for a second. This is what my challenge is to people. Of I say this to my own team. Look, if you were getting on a plane tomorrow, and you're going to go to Detroit, and you're going to meet this customer in their boardroom, how would you dress? Okay. How would you dress? Now, does that change at all how you're how you then are presenting yourself on that Zoom call or through that video email or through that video message? Does it? Does it make you think about it at all? And they go, yeah, it does. I'm like, okay, <laughs> then, you know, then maybe it's not the pajamas. You know, maybe put on a put on a collared shirt. I don't know. It, As you and I both have t-shirts on. <laughs> yeah, we have both of us have t-shirts on. It's a, it's a safe environment. But if I was meeting yeah. with the CEO of uh, one of our big customers, yeah, I wouldn't. A, I wouldn't have a t-shirt on. So, no, I'd put a collared shirt on for sure. This digital transformation, we don't have to transform into the t-shirt kings of the world. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of demos yeah. lately. That's like a little casual. I'm like, man, okay, I guess we're just. This this is changing. I don't know. What do you think about that? Am I out of my? If I'm, am I out of my mind? Well, I'm. No, I think uh, yes. I think there'll be a. <laughs> I think there'll be a change uh, back. I think <laughs> maybe it's, go it's too far. Long. Maybe I think once, I think once people get spending more time with each other again, they'll see uh, that things will change a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think there is yeah you know, there is a trend towards 
uh, forced casualness. If that's the right <laughs> word. That's great. And and yeah, I posted about this last year on LinkedIn and got this huge response. And I the post was, if you send me an email or you're talking to me, I'm not your buddy. <laughs> right? I'm not your pal. <laughs> and this is mostly a guy thing, right? That's you, might you know, be. I think women, it might be. I think it is. You're right. I mean, yeah, I think I mean, about women, women aren't women aren't calling me sweetie or honey or dear. Oh yeah, uh, no. they would never dream of it, right? So, but and you should have seen like sort of the backlash. It's like, oh God, you're so conservative. You're so. It's like, no. Or or am I? It's just professional. <laughs> are you just professional? No, so, am I being professional? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not. At the level, the relationship's not at that level yet. So no. don't presume on it. Yeah, we don't know each other yet. So I don't know. I've yeah. just been noticing that. We've been looking at some different software, purchasing software. I'm like, man, some of these account executives just show up like it's like uh, we're hanging out at a coffee shop in uh, downtown Seattle somewhere. I don't know. Like it's, it's interesting. Well, yeah, I, I saw a video actually, was it last night or this morning? Of uh, a message, a video message that that an AE had sent, and my first reaction was, as yours, was like, just a step too far. Uh, yeah. I'm all in favor of being casual. I mean, I've worked casual most of my career. I mean, <laughs> I was part of the generation that got rid of the suit. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, no, I, I don't, I yeah. don't own a tie, but yeah, <laughs> well, I haven't worn a suit in. Except to my wedding, probably in the last uh, you know twenty years, but it's like, yeah, I think. But that, some of this, I think, I think is we, we have to size up it's who we're talking to, like our customer. Who's the customer we're talking to? So this customer of ours in Detroit, they wear suits and ties every day. That's another thing, right? So if that if you know that's a suit and tie organization. I might. I probably still not going to put on a tie at this point, but I might put the jacket on if I was in their office. It's just, just an interesting thing to think about. Right. There's a rule of thumb for for public speaking. Yeah. You sure. Know, absolutely. You always, say, you always say, "Well, what's you know, how should I dress?" And the rule of thumb is you dress one level better than your customer or your audience. Yep. And so I think I could, I could be making a case against video right now, and somebody listening might say, "Well." This is exactly why I'm not going to do this, right? <laughs> but I, I think there's a – look, we can raise the bar here because I think it's very effective if done appropriately. I just think I'm trying to point out one of the things I've been seeing is a trend like, man, if we could true that up a little bit, uh, I think it would go a long way and it, even help be more more effective. What's well, one of those things that's it, it costs you nothing. Correct. Right? So just be, just be mindful about it. And that's the same yeah. point I was making with the buddy pal thing is – Get rid of it. What's it cost you? I mean, what point are you trying to make? By whenever someone addresses me as Bud, we're, we're not getting off to the right foot. We are anyway. not getting but, off on the right foot. No, no. And no. also, it, it for me, it just sort of says, "Well, okay, did you look at my profile at all? <laughs> I mean, so right. <laughs> did you think just based on my 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 age and my background and the work I've done and so on that I'm a Bud person? That, that I'm your buddy, if you're a 24 year old guy reaching out to me, I'm yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> right. No. Use a little common sense. So yeah. Yeah. The same thing. I think your point is absolutely true. It costs you nothing to go put a collared shirt on. You feel like you're, you have a moral line in the sand that you need to be showing people that you have to be casual. It's like, 
it's like so many things in sales is, is you know, you get pushback from people these days of saying certain segments that I don't agree with saying, oh, you know, the personal relationship's not quite as important as it was. You don't need to be likable. I'm like, it costs you nothing to do these <laughs> well, things. Well, why not be likable? <laughs> yeah, it costs you nothing to do it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be? What point are you trying to make? Uh, look, I've, I've had a successful career. I, I can't see it going that way if I, if I didn't attempt to uh, build relationships with folks. And, and hopefully, I, I still think people do business with people they know, like, and trust. That might be old school, but I, I really no, think that's not. how it, it's, it is. And um, even moreover in this software stuff, right? You Look, features are features, it, it's just a matter of telling our dev team to go build the thing you built. We, if you're competing on features anymore, what, you're in trouble, I think. And so, what are you competing? Right? What are you competing right. on? So, if you're competing on, to me, we're competing on somewhat likability. Might want to be one of these things we're competing on. Uh, capability, right? Do we have yeah. the wherewithal? Um, but these are big deals. Like it's different. I mean, so I think likability is a big thing. I think they choose us because they like us and the features are somewhat the same. Well, and the likability to your point, I think you were just making is extends beyond the individual to the, to the enterprise the as well. Business. Yeah. It, to yeah, me, it's business. all, it, it speaks to the customer experience you're delivering. And it's to me, another reason why, Uniquely, video allows you to experience who my people are yep. above what the brand is. I mean, we try yep. to articulate these brands, but you can't experience my people. And my people are some of my best things. And that's why we've been successful because you met Justin Dornboss at an event and he was great. And, and he, you liked him and, or you like Katie. She's really nice and, and she was really smart about video. And so you called her back. These people are the reason we got where we are and, and then some great technology along the way, but they led, they led the charge. And so I think that's what you choose, right? Because it can't be about features anymore because we can just build that. We just get, get money, well, build features. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's been the case for a while now. A while now is, is the barrier to entry to almost any market, certainly in the tech space, is exceedingly low unless you're you know, some radical invention you've made. And even then somebody will, will copy it shortly. So yeah, what are you competing on? That's right. That's right. But I built on a point that you made, which is, is I might flip it. And I think increasingly a company's brand is its, are its people, is its people. 100%. <laughs> Grammatically, either one sounds wrong. That's but, right. But I can give you chapter and verse. You look on companies that have built brands largely on the back of what's happening on LinkedIn with their employees being empowered to be out there and, and be, be themselves and, yep. and be visible and be content creators and so on. It's like, yeah, the people are increasingly the brand. Mm -hmm. And if you're not using tools like bomb, bomb video messaging, uh, yeah, you're sort of handcuffing your folks and the folks are handcuffing themselves. And again, I think, you know, I know my people, are better face to face. That's why we hired them. You know, especially in sales, it's like you hire them. You have this. What are you looking for? You're looking for someone who can't build a rapport quickly, or someone who can <laughs> build a rapport quickly. Right. Typically, you're hiring them because they can build. <laughs> well, I hope it. Yeah, <laughs> to me, I just can't get there. But or even, right. but even in the customer success, is this someone who can make a customer? Can you empathize with the customer? Or can you not? These are these are human right. skills. They are not 
technical skills. They're soft skills, you might say. And so how do we best exhibit them and put them forward to our customers to give them that experience that, wow, working with this company is not like working with other companies that I've experienced, mm-hmm. right? That's our goal. Yep. I want that to feel, I want them to feel us, feel us more than anything. Yeah. And I, I agree hundred percent, especially when you're a smaller company, you're trying to grow and scale and you're trying to oh, even sell more big so. deals. Yeah. So important. Um, yeah. yeah. And one company I worked with, uh, sort of first in the door on our commercial side, they were doing some defense work and, and I started the commercial side of the business. We're small, but every deal we competed against huge, huge, huge multinational <laughs> corporations. And we were, you know, a handful of millions of dollars, uh, early on. And yeah, even before I got there, the CEO was just so good at, making people feel like, wow, these people are really smart. We need to find a way to work with them, right? Yeah, just yeah. Like the experience key, of talking to him and the team was just like, wow. And yeah, and they yeah. they still do that. I mean, but even all the years I was there, uh, this is how we won business is, is people's impression of, of the enterprise based on their experiences of the individuals was decisive. Yeah, I... And do you feel at all that now it seems to me like we don't – well, okay, after we get done talking today, I'll go back to my inbox or anything I have, my phone, uh, if it's mm-hmm. LinkedIn. And I'll have, I'll have messages from people, yes. okay? And, and I just feel like we're actually accelerating in the opposite direction maybe in the, what we've just been talking about because I don't believe anymore that these emails or these messages actually came from people. Now, they might be people's names and those people might be real, but I don't believe anymore that they actually came from a human. And I think it makes it easier for me to ignore them. Yes. I I feel nothing. I I feel nothing. Click, shift, delete. Like, I feel nothing. Where I used to, I get three or four. And if it was like, I could tell it was actually from some, I'd actually feel maybe a little guilt deleting it. (laughs) Now I don't. And, And yeah, I'm the same way. So I get tons. Yeah, I get roughly a thousand cold pitches a year to be a guest on the show. Um, yeah. And yeah, the ones that I can tell are, you know, we <laughs> personalized, you know, insert they get a little podcast bit. name in here. And I get it too. Yeah. I get the, the boilerplate solicitation for in yeah. my role. And I'm, I'm just like, I don't know. And, and so maybe someone is real in that, but I still delete them. I just think we have this escalation of, it's almost like I call it digital pollution. It's, it's like right. this escalation of nuclear holocaust of email messaging. Like, and we don't believe it's from humans. And so there's good things for artificial intelligence, but I think we might be in the cusp of like having negative effects. It's oh, I agree, hundred percent. It's gotten worse in the last year, for sure. Yeah, um, and at least in my my estimation. But yeah, no, I think it's one of the paradoxes of it, the yeah. fact is that we we are we are trying as a technology industry, especially in the sales and marketing space. Right. We're trying to create tools to solve the problems that we created with the tools that we created in the first place. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. 
right? But then I got to accelerate Marketing my automation ability. was the first start. Yeah, sorry. Marketing automation was the first start. We learned how to bombard people. And now yep. we've been trying to create tools subsequent to that to help us personalize and do other things, help us break through the noise yep. that we're continuing to create. Yes. And then I got, I if you're breaking through the noise, I got to figure out a way to break through the noise because we're competing for the same person, even though our products might not compete. Are you with me? Like that. And so I just think there's a lot more noise in the space and we keep accelerating. And I, I start to worry for us about is there a negative or an inverse effect of if I got, if I, am I celebrating a 20% open rate? And like we would, right? But what yeah. about the 80%? What about the 80% that said, I hate you, maybe, or, I'm so sick of well, getting this from you. Or, and so I just right, think we need to do a better job like narrowing our ideal customer profiles and getting more focused on those folks and trying to do maybe a bit more with less is what we're trying to yes. do. And that's what we call human-centered communication. It's like I, I should care more about you on the other side as a recipient than I do about my goal. And that's tough when you got the number you got to hit. I get that. But man, if we just slowed down – because – I think it's just going to have an inverse reaction, especially when you have companies like Apple saying, you know what? Permission only. If you don't get permission, you don't get access. Right. Or Google saying, right. no more. We're not going to let you do cookies across platforms. You know, it's going right. to take this Facebook thing. I think permission is going to get popular again. I'm just yep. throwing it out. There's well, a prediction. Yeah, starting with Apple, for sure. Starting with Apple, for sure. I mean, yeah. a lot of Tim yeah. Cook is getting very belligerent about this. I mean, they're saying these things. I mean, I think it's going to happen. So, okay. Well, it's so what's that mean? Shortly. What's permission look like? Yeah. How does that change for you? Well, to your point, we've abused this on the business level in terms we've of been, yes. Uh, yes. marketing automation and so on. And, yeah, the... <laughs> The fundamental problem is people have a limited quantity of attention. That's right. And you know, Herbert Simon, Nobel Prize winner, wrote about this back 40 years ago. Uh, wrote a white paper, yeah, 1971, I think it was, sort of projecting the fact of what the internet was going to be. It says there's going to be a time when we're going to be so bombarded by various sources of information that... Uh, we're going to have a hard time making a decision about how to allocate slices of our attention to various sources of information. How do we make those decisions? And he was doing research on that back 40 years ago. But his conclusion was that basically simplifying it was that, you know, we make an ROI calculation is we're going to devote our attention or limited attention to those things that give us the best return on that investment of time. Yep. So... That then becomes the challenge, right? How do you break through the noise to be able to provide somebody a return on that 20 seconds of time or a minute of time or however long they were engaging with what you sent them? Yep. That is, it, I don't think that's going to change. I just think maybe how we need to approach that. We, we got, I, I think the shift is coming quicker than maybe anybody's going to be prepared for it. And when that movement happens, are we going to be ready? I want to be ready. I'm just trying to think about that now, right? Like, yeah. Well, so how do you, how do you, how do you make, yeah, bomb bomb ready? I'm not if not from a product standpoint, but from a ability to outreach standpoint. Yeah. How do we position it? I, I believe yeah. so. Our our motto in marketing is uh, be a value and abundance will follow. Right. That's so we just mm -hmm. really try and bring value. We try and narrow our our, our ideal our ideal customer profiles 
So people we know that we brought value to and try and position it that way. But we literally right. say, we do send, I think people would say this is unscalable. We send personal videos and would say, hey, Andy, Darren with BombBomb, we work with other companies just like yours that do this, this, and this. And then we go into that and it's different, right? Because we're saying your name. So that right. it, it is a personal message. And so you know it's personal as long as you open it up. You know it's personal. Right. I think that's different than personal well, lies. Right. You got you got Ethan's Ethan's personal whiteboard. He's written the date or he's written hi Andy on but, it. That, that's right. You know it's for yeah. Andy. You know right. I really I think in, in somewhat in the financial world or in some of those other spaces that verification that's really for you and from me is gonna be important. Mm-hmm. And I think potentially video could play a role in this because how do we know that's authentically and verified for you from me? You know, you have deep fakes. Now we can make the president say whatever they want, right? We can make right. whoever, whoever president is, we can make them words come out of your mouth. It doesn't matter. Right. That's going to be a problem. I think in the future, this personal for you from me with value, not a more of a mass approach. It's just going to have to be more effective. I think if you were effective with the 10,000 emails you were sending, you wouldn't need to do that because if your conversion rate was better, right, right. you'd make more than enough money to meet your number for the year. But the fact is we're not. And so some of the problem is in the messaging, some, something that's in the messenger and some of it's right. in the delivery. And then, but we're training a whole population of people to just ignore everyone really right. badly, I think. So somehow I love that if anybody else is with me, we could just all doing an arms armistice together, <laughs> slowly step away yeah. Yeah. from the red buttons, you know, right. slowly step away. Who's with me? <laughs> well, I mean, interesting. Yeah. You have described this mutually assured destruction scenario. <laughs> I don't mean to be so grim, but I think some people can maybe relate to this. That, well, it's getting that way. Absolutely. It's getting that ask way. Ask yourself, do you have, do you have increasing returns or diminishing ones? And so if, if they're, Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have this problem. You're like, oh, it's great. It's fine. It's it's worth because it's a numbers game to people, and it usually maths out in the CFO's mind. Escalate the 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 ammunition, bomb them away, and then uh, mm-hmm. see what happens. So as long as that still maths out, I guess I probably won't win anybody over. But well, but here's the problem though: is that that it's really a slash and burn strategy, and at some point you run yeah. out of things to burn. Right? Is your I mean, cam infinite? Slash and burn. Our agriculture is, is, is and, but we're, we're doing it on two levels, though. So we're doing it certainly on the top of the funnel, as you just described. But certainly in the tech space and SaaS, we're doing it at the bottom of the funnel as well with low win rates. And so we're getting, yeah. Yeah. we're getting tons of people into the, the funnel. And if only but one in five are, are winning, if you're only winning one out of five, what you're saying is that, 80% of our prospects think that we weren't presenting a compelling enough vision of success to buy from us. That's right. Yeah. And that's, that's not what I mean. Either. Somewhat the message is the problem. Sometimes it is the messenger, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, are we actually solving a problem that these people have? How narrow have we gotten in our, in our ideal profile that we're, the people we're talking to, we know we can solve their problems, right? Uh, often right. we don't lead with those problems. And I think we just, Again, I think a good question to ask yourself is, is your addressable market infinite? Mine isn't. No. Mine isn't. There are very few companies that have that. So do some math. Um, How long before you're just retreading 
the people who ignores you the first time. I mean, it's okay. It's just easy because you can, you're going to blast through your market eventually. Well, but the same thing true is true after they're in your funnel. If you're only winning one of every five, exactly. you can do the math. Yeah. And I've, d- I've done this in the past and I don't have it in front of me, but it's, you don't have many years before you've completely trashed your market. Yep. So, okay. So are we, we should provide everybody solutions maybe because I think that are we being too gloomy? I think back no. to our original conversation that building relationships and having these relationships with people you work with matters. And I think somewhat, the more we can do that and give an experience that, that, that brings to life the benefit your company offers, I, I think helps this problem we're talking about that, um, creating a dialogue again, creating building relationships, doing these things we were talking about in the beginning, I think helps. Well, you're right. And I agree. And I think that part of that gets down to is, is and this is, you know, one of the conundrums of, you know, we talk primarily tech here and a lot of VC funded companies that have sure. certain sense of urgency around how they Correct. scale is it's going to take a CEO to say, eh, no. We're going to do it differently. Yeah. And you're still going to give me money. And we're still, maybe instead of three years, we'll get there in five. That is the hard part. And I get that. So maybe, yeah, VCs, if you're listening, (laughs) think about that. I mean, I don't think many of them have patience for that, but. Right. But somebody's, that's where it's going to have to start. It's going to start with CEO. It's going to have to start with, it'll start with sellers saying, look, this is not sustainable anymore. Uh, yeah, I think we're, I think we're seeing that happen. I think we're seeing sellers, especially with turnover rates, and look at the churn rate on CROs at eighteen months in, in the valley. And so I, on. You took the words out of my mouth. That's right. And, so none and, of, none and of when that we works. talk to, are your sales reps attaining quota, or is it not? Are they not? Do you have BDRs that have never hit quota? If that's happening, your number's hot. It's too high. I mean, it's yeah. happening. I think so. I know it is. I've talked to the BDRs. I've talked to the VPs. It's like in these closed doors, yep. like nobody's hitting quota. What do I do? I'm like, you got to lower the number, man. The quota, right. Or, <laughs> well, I can't do that because so-and-so. I'm like, well, tell them he's wrong or she's wrong. But yeah. Right. Or re-engineer your process. Yep. Figure it yeah, out. I, 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 that, that's the game I, we're I tell all people, in. Right. Is, is think about it from the perspective of the theory of constraints. You know, the in my experience growing startups is the constraint was never the number of people I had. It was understanding what we were selling and to whom. And once we, right. once we engineered our process to achieve a certain win rate with those factors, then we scaled Man. based on that. And what I found Man. is actually at that point, but yeah, we could scale quite a bit without adding a ton of people. And then we added people when we need it. And you tend to scale pretty fast because you knew how to sell what you were selling. Effectively, you weren't winning one out of every eight, five deals. You're maybe winning two and a half out of every five deals, and that's fine. That's where you want to be. So yeah, that's that's the interesting thing that we do get. I think we're some some of the, those standards have been lowered over my career for sure about what's acceptable. Like you just said, like one out yeah. of eight. Wow. I mean, but if you have an unlimited amount of money, you can burn through. <laughs> I guess it's okay. I think another another thing I'd like to say is I hope that profitability becomes trendy again. That would be great. Like if, <laughs> if, you know, EBITDA was maybe more of something that we looked at. I think, you know, I'm, I'm biased, man. So we've never taken serious venture capital to date. Sure. So we've tried to grow. I've, and I've been doing this for 10 years. We're like, oh, that's crazy. 
yeah, I'm crazy, but I still own my business and I'm still growing. Right. Maybe not at these astronomical rates, but I didn't burn the money either. No. So, no. and we're profitable. So, right. so to me, that's what I'm trying to do, create a profitable business. I treat it like it, we could sell tomorrow, but I don't have any plans to, right? right? So I know I'm coming at it from a different position. I just want to state that for everyone listening. Like, who is this guy? Like, well, you know, no. like sounds I mean, crazy. I, I spent seven years with a company that was, that was bootstrapped, primarily bootstrapped. And they raised maybe a quarter million dollars in venture money, but largely bootstrapped. Right. Uh, in the communication space, the competitors were – were zooming by us to go public. This was during the heyday of the 90s. Everybody was going public. The CEO says, look, we've been profitable from day one. We're going to stay profitable. We're going to do what we need to do. We're going to move at our own pace. You know, here, we went public. We were successful. And now, even a couple of decades after that, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar company. And every other competitor that zoomed by us is gone, Right. Or their founders. Look, I'm biased towards the founder too. I just yeah. want to actually make money off this endeavor I've had for 10 yeah. years. Not that you can't. I'm not saying that. But, you know, look, I just want to wear a shirt that says make profitability sexy again. That's one of my life goals. Well, put it on. Let's see it. <laughs> I got to get it made. All right. Well, I agree with you. I think, uh, yeah, people live by like the rule of 40 in SaaS, right? Then yes. You yes. can rule of 40 doesn't require you being profitable and yeah. yet you can That's still correct. be valued highly. So yeah, on future promises, it's almost like the old eyeball argument. So, um, all right. So <laughs> Darren, we're sort of running out of time here. Uh, people want to connect with you. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. I'm easily found on LinkedIn. Please give Perfect. me a personal, it doesn't have to be video, but just a personal message would be fantastic. <laughs> I guarantee you a response. If it's, hey, Darren, love the podcast or whatever, you know, just uh, don't I, make it personal. <laughs> Actually, when people contact me and say, Andy, love the podcast, I can about 80% of the time, it's it's not it's not a human. It's, it's been generated. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I mean. I would love it to be I so know, much personal. Yeah. yeah. If but says the you best way. enjoyed you on this podcast, then you know it's yeah, absolutely that I would love to hear that. Yeah. Or that, yeah. that or if you disagree with me, think I'm crazy. Yeah, that works, too. At least I'll know it's a real message. All right. Well, Darren, a pleasure as always. And I look forward to doing this again. Yeah, man. You too. So good. Thank you so much. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Darren Dawson, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <music>